everyone, thanks for listening. Today I'm speaking with Joseph Becker. Uh, Joseph is an attorney and he's also a children's author and it's children's books based mainly on science and I guess exploration. And he's just about to come out with his sixth book. Hi Joseph, thanks for coming on. Thank you, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so I gotta ask, like, how did you go from being an attorney to writing science-based children's books? I mean, I mean, I'm assuming, like, I like I've read your bio, so you've, you've got a daughter, so I'm assuming that had something to do. With- yeah, having children helped inspire me to write the books. Um, a lot of it was just kind of being an attorney, killing my soul. <laughs> um, I'm an extremely creative person. I mean, even within the law, I, I worked for a record label for a while. I had an entertainment law firm. I'm always trying to be surrounded by art and artists. Um, and I am artistic and creative myself. I love writing. I love art. Um, so this is one of the ways I stay creative, writing my books on the side. As we're recording this, um, I just turned 50 today. But anyway, so. Happy birthday. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but okay, when I remember when I was a kid, I always loved, I loved reading since I was very young. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Dr. Seuss all the way up. Um, but for me, it was more like the fantasy type stuff. So like the Phantom Tollbooth and, uh, right. you know, My Father's Dragon and things like that. Right. And I, the, the Narnia books I really loved and, you know, but. The Hobbit was great too growing up, but there wasn't a lot of science stuff for kids. There was science books, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But the closest that I can remember was um, there's a series of biographies for kids, but they, you know, they touched everything. So I remember they had like Beethoven, there's one on Confucius, mm-hmm. they had scientists. Um, and so those were the, the closest that kind of came to like science books for kids, right? There is science fiction, but not so much. Did you see like a lack of it? Is that kind of why you went towards a science thing or was there something particular? So two reasons. Um, I mean, the the main reason is something that else that I'll get into in a second. But um, there was a huge gap in children's literature for science and for critical thinking. Even now, you know, I have five books in the Annabelle and Eden series out now. Besides those five books, I bet there are definitely under 10 books on on the big questions in science there's probably two or three books on evolution there's probably two or three books you know three or four books on the big bang um and there's probably many many dozens of bible stories and and creationist stories out there um so there there was a huge uh gap in children's literature for for that kind of stuff and let alone you know critical thinking. I mean, I don't think there's really much of anything for kids in terms of uh, myths and, and, and um, you know, whether you, you, want, you want to talk about flat earth or theology or whatever it is, um, just on critical thinking in general, there's, there's really nothing out there, maybe one or two books. Um, so I really wanted to attack that and talk about the big questions in science and where did we come from, what happens when we die, uh, and things that aren't magical and amazing, just as incredible as fairy tales and the most fantastical stories we could weave. Uh, you know, they say uh, reality is stranger than fiction. And I, I thought, why not share that as well? But the main reason why I really did this is because I grew up in a very religious household. 
and I was taught I was taught evolution. They they paid lip service to it, but it was kind of dubbed down like, yeah, this is kind of crazy. We have to teach it to you, you know, or, and they only taught us about the peppered moths in England. You know, they only taught us about these remote examples. They didn't teach us what I had to learn when I was uh, 27 years old or so about how it explains how every living thing, including humans, look the way they do and act the way we do and think the way we do. And I mean, it explains everything about life. It's incredible. And when I learned it, um, I was in love. And when you're in love, you want to tell the world. And I, you know, I looked, I saw the huge gap in children's literature. I thought this stuff was amazing. And I think if you uh, walk up to, at, at least in, you know, the country that I live in, in America, if you walk up to people on the street, uh, children or adult, I think, I, I wonder if they have a statistic on this, but I would guess that 75, at least 75% of people between ages 10 and 50 don't know basically what evolution is. They don't know what it is. They think it was a one-time event that happened to, you know, thousands of years ago where like 20 monkeys turned into people. I mean, I, I think they just think it's some like one-time event that happened. And I actually did this. I, I was in Vegas. I was speaking at the American Humanist Association conference in Vegas uh, two years ago now. And I, I just as a gag, I put on an orange spacesuit. And I walked along the Vegas Strip with a microphone and a camera, and I asked people if, if they knew what evolution was. And <laughs> not exactly a scientific experiment, but of the 15 or 20 people I questioned, I think one one guy kind of got it. Okay, I mean, um, I, 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 you know, I know where you're going with this, and I kind of agree with you, but the Vegas Strip being what the Vegas Strip is, so alcohol <laughs> might have something to do with some of those answers, but yeah, um, but no, okay, I agree yeah. with you there. And even people who kind of know what it is and ha yeah. have an understanding that okay, we're still going through that process, kind of like, like I mean, like not I shouldn't say kind of, but they you know they're they're thinking okay, we're kind of the end, but we'll we'll fine tune ourselves, not thinking that okay, uh, a million years down the road we wouldn't recognize what what we've become, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, they'll still say something like, okay, we evolved from apes. It's like, no, mm -hmm. we are an ape. We share a common mm -hmm. ancestor with, didn't evolve from, right? I mean, that's, it's, it's a very small distinction, but it's important. Or, mm -hmm. you know, or the worst is when people hear survival of the fittest, they think survival mm -hmm. of the strongest, survival of the best. It's like, no, the survival of that which fits best, right? Right. And that could be a spineless jellyfish that basically just floats along the tide but that fits right. best in that environment so that will survive right i mean it's, right it's um so yeah it's, it's these little concepts but again i okay you know full confession i didn't read the books um yeah but okay i was i was looking into them and i was going back the thing i like about yep. them and the way at least the descriptions it's not so much it doesn't describe like any even i mean you've talked about like okay how where do we come from and stuff but it's always, uh, and sorry, I keep forgetting to mention the names of the books. I'm very bad at this. Um, Annabelle Aiden, the Annabelle and Aiden uh, books. Uh, but it's, you know, okay, in the first one, it's, you know, Annabelle asks, why do we look at this? It's not just, okay, how did this happen? Okay, well, this is how, you know, we evolved. Here's the process there. It's done. It's it's more about the thinking behind it. It's not just stating out facts. Like, for myself, I was always a very curious kid. And I mean, I, I 
I think I drove my parents nuts compared to my brother and sister. Um, I mean, there wasn't anything I wouldn't question. And but then, um, so when Cosmos came out, I was just about to turn mm-hmm. eleven, or I just turned eleven, so the original one. And that's what I, you know, that that thing with Sagan, like that's what really sparked a chord with me. That really sparked my interest in science, and that was. He didn't just regurgitate facts, right? And say, you know, this is the speed of gravity on Earth, blah, 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 blah. He didn't just do that. He just, he talked about how we thought about things. And he talked more about how to think, not necessarily what to think, right? And I, it, to me, it, like reading the description of your books and looking a little bit into them, it looks kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, this whole time, um, really, Carl, say, before you write for the two minutes before you mentioned Sagan, uh, Carl Sagan was in my mind. He really makes science into, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of brain and, and there's a lot of heart. And I wanted to do that because that's what science is. It tells our story. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of the, a lot of the traditions that were handed down are all, all tell different stories of our creation, except for the, only one that's true and the only one that's the most amazing um i mean i'm being a little uh you know tongue-in-cheek here but you know i really wanted to tell that i'm like we don't have to you know the whole philosophy behind the annabelle and aiden book series is really we don't need to resort to inventing stories because we have the best one that we're and and it teaches us that we're all related and we all come from the same stardust and we all descended from the same ancestor and that, you know, race and religion and national and ethnic boundaries that we like to um, focus on and, and exaggerate um, are often far more arbitrary than we realize. And that's what the science tells us and um, that we're all connected. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, so I try to. OK, I've, I've kind of made a similar argument um, with friends who, you know, oh, we got to. Like, I hate that term, like, i got to defeat religion or whatever. And it's like, I, I don't see why you see it that way, but whatever. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, okay, and I'm a huge proponent of science. I will not bash it in any way. Right. You know, it's just, and, it's, it's not, and it's not science as a body of fact. It's the methodology. Like, that methodology right. is the best thing we've got going. It's what's taken us this far, right? But science and reason alone. So, okay, we both come from a, you know, background in Abrahamic faiths. So if you look at the story of Genesis, um, mm-hmm. the science wasn't denied them, right? People just say, oh, the tree of, you know, the fruit of the tree of knowledge, but it was the knowledge of good and evil. But the science was, I mean, God was, okay, you know, I created this. I did all this for you. That's why you worship me because I did all this. There's The science is done. You know, it, that wasn't something you couldn't talk about. It was the good and evil, the storytelling, the, you know, the morals, the ethics. It was all that stuff mm-hmm. that was technically denied to them, right? And or denied to us, um, and so just using pure reason and science, or like what Sagan and what you're talking about, and you know, like, like I said, from what I can see of the, the your books, it's it's that story. It's it's giving that you know, it's giving story to that methodology and saying, okay, you know, this one story will give you this methodology, which was it's divinely created, and you know, here's the good and evil from that, and then this story is. Not necessarily good and evil, but how to think of things, and it's you know derive your own good and evil from from this story. It's not like not like the other story, which is telling you what's good and evil type of thing. I don't know if I mm-hmm. make sense here. 
So I'm trying to understand what you're saying when you're saying science isn't denied in the Bible. Okay, I'm not saying science um, isn't denied. I'm saying that the knowledge that was denied to Adam and Eve wasn't the knowledge of science. It was the knowledge of good and evil. I mean, it says it right out, like the, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The science aspect of it, it wasn't, okay, let's not call it science, but it's like, you know, it was God saying, I was creation. I created all the animals. I created everything, right? This is all done by me. So that was the science aspect of it, if you want to call it that, right? Like, right. here's the creation, here's everything. I'm the source, I'm the wellspring. Worship me because of that. The, right. the knowledge I'm going to hold back from you is the knowledge of, you know, ethics and morals and the humanities and the arts and the storytelling and what's good and what's evil. And, you know, like a Dawkins approach, and I respect Dawkins a lot, and but mm -hmm. I like his science books more than I like The God Delusion. Um, right. You know, he can be, I find, I think a little too strident. He's like, always, always, just all you need is reason. And I'm like, no, I think you need something else. You, right, you need that right. story. You need what uh, what Sagan did, right? You need you need something right. other than just the pure reason and logic to batter down the facts. Right, right, right. I mean, it said. Um, I think Jonathan Haidt said um, we're wired for uh, basically the 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 hardware of our brains are wired for stories, not for facts. I mean, that's how we evolved. We under we need we understand stories better. There are studies that are actually done that show overwhelmingly that people remember things if they are told in a story, as opposed to those same exact things told in a factual manner. That's how our minds work. Um, and then you know, *Sapiens* by Noah Yuval Harari really talks a lot about that and how stories, especially shared stories, is really what kept our species. Uh, together because we were able to cooperate because we all shared the same story, you know? So that's, uh, okay. that's where nationalism comes from. We all have our, the, the history of America, the history of Canada, the history of Russia. We all have everyone in a country, just like everyone in a religion has a shared story that keeps them together. And you could meet a total stranger from the other side of that territory or that group or that tribe and right away, you have a certain code with them and loyalty to them because you share stories with them. So, yeah, there's a huge value to that. And that's what we have to do in science as well. Tell the story. Yeah, I mean, okay, the, what you were talking about, I, I kind of discussed that with someone, like the, the, the shared stories. Um, okay. So, you know, yeah, we should sit around the fire, tell each other stories. Then you're yep. in cave paintings or whatever, right? Then along come books, uh, along come TV. And up until... I guess, you know, the 150 channels or whatever we have now. But when it was basically just network TV, right? You had mm -hmm. the water cooler shows. So you'd, you know, go to work or school or wherever the next day and talk about whatever stupid thing happened on, you know, I Love Lucy all the way down to Seinfeld, right? Uh, mm -hmm. We don't have that anymore. We've gotten so niche with everything. And then we're politicizing just about everything we're losing a lot of common stories like i'm, I'm just commenting on this but it's just because i worked overseas for uh, about 13 years in the last four years or from 2014 up until end of last year i was living up in a remote community in northern canada so um you know it's i come back and it's when you come back to like you know a big like montreal or you know any kind of like let's civilization for lack of a better term and you mm -hmm. see the insanity. It's like, what's going on? 
and it's you know like over the last few years ever since i came back from overseas it's, that's one of the things i've noticed like we don't have anything to share anymore really you know like when game of thrones was on you kind of had that uh you mm-hmm. know like a big thing like uh one of the big marvel blockbusters or another big blockbuster movie right that go see. like you have little things like that we can share for a very short amount of time but you know we don't have anything big you know that's that's funny you say that because that might be why when we do get that we make such a big deal out of it mm. that might be why the avengers was such a blockbuster hit and everyone is obsessed with uh you know ha- watching the game of th- show the game of thrones pre-show and the game of thrones and game of thrones after show and talking about it the next day at work we're so maybe in today's society uh, you know i mean i'm kind of echoing what you're saying we're missing that and that's why we crave that so much and we you know we eat up stranger things and whatever these cult cult shows um and wear the merchandise and talk about whether we're on team uh i never saw the what's the vampire show uh, team edward or oh, team God, whatever right yeah i don't even know, so I don't even know they're, i know what you're talking about but i know i've never seen them right so i think what you're saying is we lost that campfire storytelling community we lost our village and we crave that. And when a show comes out, we latch onto it and eat it up maybe because of that. It's a good point. No, but I mean, like, it's just, I think, okay, like keep books for kids. Um, you know, granted when I, when I was younger, didn't have all the distractions you have now, but it's, it's that again. I mean, like, you know, more kids start reading these books. Like I remember when the Harry Potter came out and all the kids were reading that and they're all talking about it, whatever. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, you're bonding over something. And again, you might be bonding with people you would never have any other contact with aside from that. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. so it's like, I don't know if you were specifically looking to do that or did you like, I mean, I know you like, I look, I totally agree with you to get like, you know, let's teach the kids a science and all that. But I was just wondering if you were looking at like another aspect of it, like to, Try to. I mean, I don't want to, you know, ascribe something to you that you weren't doing, but like, I was just wondering right. if, you, if you were even like thinking about something like that, like okay, something for kids to share. Um, it was. I mean, no, it wasn't really. I didn't really have an interest in just having something for kids to share outside of science. I wanted it to be science. I really. I'm trying to. I'm trying to nudge society to grow up a little bit and 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 I'm kind of trying to allure them with reality as opposed to all of the traditions and myths and fairy tales we all enjoy, which are very important as well and have their place. But I'm trying to say like, hey, could we tell this story also? You know, could we learn about what actually happened and celebrate that and change the world together because these children are going to have a stage. They're going to be, if they're not senators or congressmen or in government, they're going to have a vote. They're going to be a teacher. They're going to have a classroom. They're going to have a social media account. They're going to decide whether to vaccinate their children or whether how they feel about GMOs when they're shopping in the supermarket. And they should, you know, it's a good, you know, they should have they're going to be part of our society and create our world and, and affect it and uh they should they should be inspired with the magic of critical thinking and understanding reality okay that's no that's i mean okay, what like, my like goal said, that's, that's laudable enough like don't like don't get me wrong like there, you're, i shouldn't say there, there shouldn't <laughs> even be enough at it like i was just curious because it's like the we just yeah you just talked about like you know the, the sharing of the stories and stuff but yeah i mean the critical thinking and stuff uh 
because I'd spoken with, uh, I don't know if you've heard of um, Let Grow. Uh, Let Grow? Yeah. I don't think uh, so. It started off as a blog called Free Range Kids, and now it's a mm-hmm. nonprofit. Uh, it's letgrow.org. And mm-hmm. basically, they do projects for little kids. And I think they have stuff from uh, kindergarten all the way up until high school. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. maybe middle school, so, uh, you know, not so much high school, but it's, uh, and it's age-appropriate projects. So it's okay uh, for toddlers and stuff, or like kindergarten kids, grade one or something, nothing too serious, but make toast on the weekend for breakfast. So you're helping make breakfast, right? Um, mm-hmm. And as kids get a little bit older, uh, you know, let's say about 10 years old, they go down to the corner store and buy, a, you know, like a, a quart of milk or something. Um, mm-hmm. And then the whole school gives that project out for a week. They've got these things going on. So everyone in the community knows that these is going on. So when they see kids, you know, a couple of kids walking by themselves or a kid going to the store, like no one's kind of freaking out. Um, mm-hmm. And then also when I spoke to, you know, like about the clear the list, uh, like the thing, like with all the teachers, like they're looking to which I think is nuts. Like, you know, I've seen teachers with pencil sharpeners, like, cause they kind of don't have a pencil sharpener in a classroom, which is nuts. But I mean, like, yeah, I don't have kids. I have a niece and a nephew. Uh, but mm-hmm. no person, I, and my only dog in this fight is, yeah, I'm going to get old. And, uh, you know, these kids are going to be the, or when they grow up, they're going to be making the policy that you know, my pension comes from, uh, right. You know, they're going to be the doctors, like you said, the engineers, the lawyers, whatever, they're going to be all of it. I want them to be the best educated possible so that, you know, I got, you know, like at least they'll be able to put in policies. I can, you know, I won't be uh, screwing myself over. Right. I want an educated population. Yeah, exactly. Um, And just to create a better world, you know. You know, if we stress critical thinking with the kids and if we stress critical thinking early on, Mm -hmm. that better world will kind of, you know, it's, it's, you, know, you want to talk about manifest destiny or whatever, but I mean, it will be, it's what's going to come about, right? I mean, if you teach people to, sure. how to think properly, you've got a sixth book coming out soon. Yes. So, so the sixth book, it's called This World Was Made For Me. And for our listeners, um, I think it, it should be on Kickstarter now. Um, so if you, you know, if you go to our website, uh, AnnabelleNEden.com, the, the button will come up linking to the Kickstarter campaign uh, where people could pre-order the book. The book is called This World Was Made For Me, and it's kind of a satirical title. Um, it's kind of, it's a cautionary tale. It basically, it pokes a little bit fu- of fun at the design argument, but it, it's also, it really teaches the lesson. You know, a lot of people in this world say, you know, we could, uh, we could take as much we could take as many of the earth's resources as we, as we want, you know, cows were made for us, for the purpose for us to eat as mm-hmm. much as we want. We could you, we could, you know, cut down all the trees and et cetera, et cetera. And the book is just a cautionary tale trying to remind us that the world does not belong to us, but we belong to the, the world. You know, we belong to the earth and we have to take care of it. You know, the, the end of the book says, um, if, if we are good to it, then it will be good to us. But the book, in order to reach this goal and teach this lesson, the book tells the true story of Earth's evolution through the five mass extinctions. So, you know, a lot of people think we have eyes so that we could see. We were given fingers so that we could hold things. But in reality, every part of our body 
was a random genetic mutation that just happened to happen, but then it was naturally selected. So this basically tells the story of life's evolution. And every time a mass extinction happens, you see, you know, in the book, you see 99% of all earthly life pretty much die, go extinct, extinct. Uh, and then you see like one random survivor that just so happened to survive because of a random fin that the animal had or a, or a little leg that he had or a little, you know, start of an eyeball that he had. Uh, and then after all the other animals pass away, he looks around and he the, the earth seems perfect for him because he has that mutation that helped him survive. And he, you know, comically boasts you know, oh, this world was made for me until he has babies a lot like him. And then some other volcano explodes or some, some, you know, erupts or something else happened. And then all again, like they all die except for some other random animal who happens to have a bigger toe than all of the others that are all dead. And he looks around and says, this world was made for me. And it keeps going like that through every extinction cycle until it gets to humans. And then humans are cutting all down all the trees and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, um, overfishing the oceans, et cetera. And it, you know, it touches upon climate change a little. And human beings look around and they think and they say what a lot of people say today. This world was it's perfect for me. It's perfect for my body. It fits my body perfectly. It must have been made for me, made for me. And then um, and then Tardigrade Tom, one of the characters is like. I think it's getting warmer, you know, it's starting to get warmer. Um, and it, it, you know, it basically closes with the lesson. Like we, this world is, was not made for us. It actually shaped our bodies. It actually made, you know, it wasn't made for us. It actually made us and we have yeah. to, we belong to it and we have to be careful with it and respect it and love it and treat it well. Yeah. We, we were made for it, not the other way around. You know, like, exactly. But, exactly. But also, I mean, okay, I've had the, I don't know if you want to call it the luck or the misfortune, however you want to put it, but I've been in like extreme cold and I've been in a desert, right? Um, yeah. And yeah, we haven't, uh, we haven't been made for each other. Like, like there's whole squads of this planet that weren't made for us. You know, we weren't right. meant to live on the North Pole. We weren't meant to live in the Sahara. We weren't met. There, there are places we aren't meant to live. There are some people up in, you know, the far North, but they only go, you know, right. they only go a certain distance. And also like, even this planet wasn't meant for life as we know it. Right. 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 Two thirds of it is salt water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing with evolution also. That's exactly right. Um, evolution doesn't make you the best it could you don't have to be the strongest you just have to be good enough to survive to you know in order for a a a mutation to be uh naturally selected for all it has to do is meet a minimum threshold uh to allow you to to produce offspring and pass on that gene right so that's exactly right yeah we you know you could point out a lot of stuff about our bodies and how they're shoddily designed in many ways, like our appendix or our, you know, testicles hanging out or, you know, there's many things about our, our body that is, you know, a shoddy design. So, uh, this book kind of shows that it shows like 
when we look at our bodies and we look at the, the planet, we're not thinking about all the discarded designs that weren't good enough, which was 99, you know, 99.9% .9 of them. 99.9% .9 of species have gone extinct, you know? So, uh, yeah, it touches on that as well. And it's just trying to infuse some humility into people and show them that, you know, basically what you were saying, our, our place here is fragile and we have to respect it and uh, appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I don't think enough people think about that. And okay. The climate change thing, and I don't want to get into a whole huge climate change debate. <laughs> okay. There is no real debate here, right? Uh, the, no. the climate is changing. Mm -hmm. Whether you want to argue, it, whatever you want to argue about it, it, let's just agree that it's changing and let's try to see what we can do to fix it, right? But right. Okay, like, now we've got an election going on in Canada right now and not one single one of our parties is saying anything that's making any sense. Now, the ones that mm -hmm. want to go the full Greta route, and okay, and I have nothing mm -hmm. against her. I think it's fantastic that a young person like mm -hmm. that is that passionate. I'm just kind of disappointed about some of the information that's coming out from her or whoever's feeding mm -hmm. her information. But like I said, mm -hmm. you know, so the parties that want to go that route, not one of them is talking about carbon capture, not one of them is talking about um, nuclear. Nuclear. Uh, yep. No. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Okay, can, like Canada produces 1.66% of the world's carbon. Uh, okay, it's, it's, if you look at it like, you know, I think it's in the top 10 or it is number 10 or something like that. So granted, okay, that, that means it's a big polluter or whatever, but... You know, if if people don't start looking at something like carbon capture, you've got India that's saying that by 2050, all their population is going to have you know, electric power. And a lot of that's going to be coal burning. And it's going to be better than people burning the cow dung and the wood and whatever to, you know, heat them, you know, heat source and cook and whatever. That's that's it's going to be better than that. But if we don't work towards a carbon capture for that, no matter what, what Canada does or what any of the Scandinavian countries do, you know, like I'm not counting the U.S. unfortunately right now, unless something changes. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, and but even the U.S. it's not like you know they're they're number three. They're still, but they're 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 behind the other two. Um, it's it's still like until these kind of things where these developing countries where they need the chance to have some breathing room to to grow a little bit to be able to come to the point where okay we can look at other options. But let's look at ways to clean that stuff up. Like it's, again, it's not like that kind of stuff I don't think is being taught. It's just, here are the facts on climate change. And it's like, okay, well, is there any kind of room for debate on solutions? Not the debate about, okay, whether it's happening or not. Like, I, okay, let's, let's just, it's happening. There's something going on. It needs to be taken care of. But can we just have mm -hmm. a slight debate on solutions? Because, you know, it's either this or nothing. We're all going to die in 10 years. It doesn't seem like a good message to me. Right, right. Um, I think different people need different messages to act. Um, you know, I think some people need, uh, for example, I have friends that, you know, kind of, you were talking about Richard Dawkins before, and I had friends that were completely turned off by him, uh, and they needed more of a, you know, t I, I know I'm veering away from climate change, but I'm just talking about communication, because that's really what we're talking about. Uh, some people are turned off by the, the, the tough love kind of thing, and some people are turned on by alarmist or, or more extreme, uh, no-nonsense kind of communication. So, you know, I think, you know, the more voices we have out there, the better that are communicating in different ways as long as they 
are all giving the same message of either this is happening or this is happening and let's do something about it. Um, I don't know. Are you saying you feel like a lot of discussion about solutions is being shut down? Okay, I don't hear a lot of things from governments about nuclear, right? I hear you know, right. rumblings from uh, Bill Gates and Elon right. Musk, and then you hear, you know, like Neil deGrasse Tyson and right. Lawrence Gross, but I don't hear it from states aside from, you know, okay, let's, again, I don't want to pick on her and I don't want to make it sound like I'm picking on her, but Greta's from Sweden. Sweden is something mm-hmm. like 70% nuclear energy. You know, yeah, yet, she should. Yeah, but in her policy, she says no nuclear, no no carbon capture, and no mega hydroelectric. So she's against nuclear. She actually said that but the policy thing that they put out, they wanted people to sign the petition, has that included in it? Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. I agree with you. I didn't know that. So, I, I thought she just didn't mention it. I didn't read her policy. Yeah. So well, there there's all there, yeah. there was a petition that went out and it had listed all their things and I mean and the okay they're they're suing five countries. Uh, it's, right. it's a, they want to go to the UN, her and 15 other uh, teenagers. And again, it's symbolic. Great. Dude, let the, let these, ki- right. these kids are passionate. Let's you know, fuel that passion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the countries are suing like China's not on that list. <laughs> India's right. not on that list. I don't think it is. I have to go back and check. It's been a, uh, you know, it's been like a month since I looked at it. Um, but I mean, France, uh, France is on that list, but Canada isn't. France is only about. Eight percent of France's production is from uh, fossil fuels. The rest is renewable and nuclear. So, right. so I'm like, okay, they're right. carbon free, basically. You know, right? They produce half the carbon of Canada, but Canada's not on that list that you're suing. Right. You know, it's it's right. like I said, it's. I, I, sorry, I'm taking. We're going way off your books here, but uh, no, it's fine. Uh, I I agree with everything you're saying. I just think it's important to not be on team Greta or hate Greta oh, it's, no. it's 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 yeah. and and you're not doing that mm-hmm. I know I know you're yeah. not doing that because you said many times you're not yeah. you don't want to you know what she's doing is great in its own yeah. way I'm agreeing with yeah. you I I don't like when people are I'm all for her I'm all against her mm-hmm. I think it's okay for us to say and I think you're gonna you agree with me this is what you're saying is like what she's doing is great but we disagree with her mm-hmm. on some details and on some solutions and that's great. We should uh, speak up and, mm. and make that known and say Greta is great, but she's making a mistake here, or, you know, and or, tell her that and tell people that. I mean, that's fine. Or give her the chance to have, you know, let her listen to, okay, obviously don't listen to me. I'm, you know, like I work in IT, so I, I this is not my field right. of expertise, but, right. you know, okay, it's not even Bill Gates' expertise, but he's investing money in it, so he's obviously looked into it a little bit. You know, he, right. he's doing stuff for the environment or... Right. Tesla's working on, you know, uh, Elon Musk with uh, with Tesla and all that other stuff. Right. Uh, sit down and speak with him. He's he's into green energy. He's into renew, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, she should. And she, if she if he can explain to her why nuclear is a good option, I just okay. She's a perfect example of this. She's passionate. She, you know, she's. Looking, mm-hmm. But is she being fed facts or is she being taught how to think? It's it's again, you know, it's the wrong thing. Here. Right. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like I, I mean, that, that's my only thing on like that. Okay, that's my biggest. Okay, my biggest dog in any fight is free speech, and it comes down to things right. like this. People right. should be able to have all the facts available to them, and should be able to have the have the capacity to parse through that information to make good judgments, right? Right. And right. we should be able to sit here and have a, a reasonable discussion on these things, right? That, that's yeah. 
I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to me, the the part, the, everything you're saying is true, um, and it and it's important. But I think, at least in my country, where science den- denialism is so widespread, to me, Greta is a hero in that she's bringing awareness to something. And everything you said, I agree with. But to me, that those are kind of parsing out details. Like if I if I go to the doctor and the doctor tells me I'm horribly overweight and I'm not and I'm because I'm 50 and I'm 60, I'm not going to live much longer because of it. And let's say the doctor is Greta and she says, you know, you need to um, you know, you need to, to eat better. And then you know, what you're saying is kind of someone saying, well, what about these blood thinners? She didn't bring up these blood thinners. You're not going to get healthier without these blood thinners. Also, it's like, okay, fine. But if let's say I'm made of millions of people that are denying that I have a health problem in the first place and eating better will make me better. Just like I'm sure you agree. Renewables will help. Uh, I'm sure you're not against renewable energy right not at all you're not against that not at all so to me it's a little bit like but she didn't bring up the blood thinners it's like yeah and i I know that's not the best analogy because nuclear you know i i believe and i think you agree that nuclear energy is probably necessary to to solve the problem to to really really help the problem we're facing so it is really important and i agree with everything you're saying but i'm also happy for her to to even make the issue known to so many people that don't even believe that the issue even exists okay okay that and that's i'm 100 okay let her speak and if people who are disagreeing with her right people were like at least if some of the people who disagree with her go and look at it and yeah. then come to the realization okay maybe she's got a point here and and again the reason i bring up the nuclear stuff is because this is a really important issue and I, and, and again yes let's get to the renewable let's get to where we can get to a point where we're you know, where 95 renewable and the little that we are doing that's not renewable is coming from sources that are pretty much carbon neutral right mm-hmm. let's let's get to that point but to get to that point we can't do it without nuclear and we can't do it without some sort of carbon capture if we don't have those two things and i mean the hydroelectric i get where you're saying like i get where she's saying like i understand like, canada is all hydro and i mean the amount of flooding that we've done up here especially in quebec like the, the amount of mm-hmm. land that was flooded that's a one time and, and i'm not trying to like lessen it but like you know that happens in a one-time deal and i know there's other problems later on but it is once it's done it is a fairly clean energy and so Mm -hmm. i'm just saying like let's you know these are like okay yeah okay i know i know you know you said it it was not like the perfect knowledge or whatever like but the blood thinner thing is it's like saying okay well you have to eat healthier but you know half your diet can be donuts um or, uh, you know, it, it, to me, it seems like that it, it's almost that level of a contradiction. Because, really? What would the donuts be in the analogy? Well, okay, like I said, without without nuclear and without the carbon capture right now, you're not yeah. going to meet any goals by 2050. And if you say we have to meet some goals by 2050 right. to reduce the carbon, we're not going to get there. So okay. if you want to cut down on your food intake overall, but half the food that you're taking in now is donuts or, you know, snickers or whatever you're worse off than if you're eating slightly more but healthier food and it's that right. it, like it's 
I'm not like again. I'm not. I don't want to make it sound like I'm, I'm attacking her because I'm not. And I, I you know, right. I, I just think I wish she had some better information, and I wish that the reaction to her was more reasoned. You know, right. And again, she's 16 years old. We shouldn't be having this kind of discussion right. about a 16 year old. Like I feel so. I feel <laughs> bad for her about it because she shouldn't be our savior. She's not Joan of Arc for Christ's sakes. You know, like. <laughs> You know, she right. she can be a catalyst and she can be a, a a figurehead or something, right? But you know, reason heads should prevail, and there should be better people, more informed people bringing solutions yeah. to the table. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Greta hasn't been the first yeah. climate activist, and she won't be the last. Mm-hmm. And uh, she'll be one of many voices, and different voices have different jobs. I don't think her main platform is anti-nuclear. I don't think she's on an anti-nuclear campaign. I think she's on a pro-awareness of climate change campaign. And uh, she, nuclear, she 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 probably, you know, it sounds like you know more than I did because you read her platform mm-hmm. and I didn't, but. You know, it seems like she's temporarily uh, thinks that the dangers out, you know, the cons outweigh the, the pros. And I, I, you know, maybe I'm naive, but I feel like if she just spoke with someone for 20, 30 minutes and they showed her some research, she would, you know, honestly uh, consider it. So I don't I don't know. I don't. Yeah. OK. You know. Again, she's young. She can. She's you know, there's. Yeah. It's not like hopefully her mind isn't set in stone. And, you know. Yeah. It, you know facts will prevail yeah. out and again but I, I okay yeah i don't want to beat a dead horse but it, it, there's a lot of like important topics and this is not the only one there's so many important topics yeah that where okay you know immigration uh we have some issue with that up here because last year or was it earlier this summer um it was it, trudeau said okay if you want to we're going to open up our borders and we had something like thirty thousand people come in in one summer from the United States mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, Trump was apparently going to deport them all or something. Mm-hmm. Now, I, you know, my family, I'm an immigrant, my family immigrated here, but yes, there's a way to do it. There's a process. I believe in that process. Now, mm-hmm. okay, you want to let people in. It's laudable. You want to, again, you want to help people. But what was done was come in. Okay. Now the federal government's going to just kind of dump it on the provinces. The province have to take care of it and just walk away. And the federal government looks good and the provinces are like, well, what are we going to do? You know, we have all these people that, you know, in a couple of month period that we didn't expect. And it's the same thing right. that's going on on, you know, your southern border. And it seemed to me at one point there was more conversation going on about whether or not they should be called concentration camps than there was about let's get beds to kids who need them. You know, it's just like right. everything we're talking about is getting derailed on like the the minutiae of these points and maybe my my nuclear thing is a minutiae i don't know um you know like but especially with someone like someone like her because she was so you know she was such a focal point there was you know the arguments on both sides were just silly and it's like okay again this gets back to like thinking critically and teaching kids and teaching people how to think properly because then maybe right. we'll get some more reasoned arguments. And, yep. you know, I, I don't know how you think about this. Um, the, the problem with colleges and stuff, and I see a lot, you know, because the, the elections are going on, well, the, your, your, your debate's going on right now, the Democratic ones anyways. When they're talking about, you know, education and stuff, there's like a kind of a gloss over the primary and the secondary. And they're kind of focusing everything on post-secondary. It's like, okay, well, 
you know, instead of trying to do that, wouldn't it be better to focus on the primary and the secondary so that by the time that people get to post-secondary, you don't need to massage the SAT scores. You don't need to give people extra points. You don't need to do this. You don't need to do that. Oh, well, people from this zip code, you know, get an extra bonus because they're in a, um, you know, disenfranchised neighborhood or something. Like, I mean, to me, like, it's, 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 again, like, teach the kids how to think as they grow up. That's a skill that's always going to be there with them, and it's going to help them along in life. So if you want yep. better students in post-secondary or if you want a better, you know, diversity or whatever, you want just the best people getting in there possible, and you want to give everyone that chance to be that best person, to me, mm-hmm. it seems like let's work on it way before you get to college because if you get to the, the college level, it's way too late. Yep. Yeah. And even start when they're honestly, when they're toddlers and, and asking about the tooth fairy and Santa Claus and, yeah. and uh, you know, prod them and say, well, why do you think that? And how do you know that's true? And what if this is true? And did you know some people believe this, but some people believe that? And, uh, you know, what do you think? Why do you think that? You know, so it's it's important from a young age. Absolutely. So, OK, um I don't want to keep you too, too long. Um, you've been kind of generous with your time. Uh, I know you've got the new book coming up. Uh, yep. Are you, do you have anything else going on that you want to talk about? Or if there's anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't touch on, please feel free. Yeah, no, thank you so much. It's been great being here. Um, we have, I mean, we came out with our first book around three and a half years ago called The Story of Life on Evolution. And about a month later, um, you could actually still find it online. The book was banned and um, condemned by the Christian News World uh, Christian News World Network. Um, it's kind of a crazy article. If you put into Google, if you put in um, Annabelle Aiden, aggressive atheist, you'll find this article accusing, you know, saying the book was written by a group of aggressive atheists. <laughs> Um, who are um, targeting children with Darwinist propaganda. Um, it's a great article. And I was actually kind of scared when I saw that because I wasn't used to that kind of media, you know, negative media attention, let alone any attention. And I sold, you know, like within the next hour, I sold 100 books on Amazon. It just kind of, it, it, it brought a lot of awareness. So I actually... So my response was to write a second book on critical thinking, and I mailed it to the Christian News World Network and said, you guys will love this one, you know, kind of like hoping they would ban that too. But they're not idiots, yeah. so they didn't ban it. Okay, well, okay. Uh, they I, knew what I was I, doing. I, I, okay, the idiot thing, all oh, that, that might be debatable. Yeah, I was gonna, yeah, uh, okay, yeah. We got, we got talking, and I completely forgot about that because I was going to ask you about that because that, that article was hilarious. I mean, oh, you saw it. Yeah, good. Okay. yeah, I sent it to you. Okay, good. And, okay, and that's okay. That's one thing about, about the critical thinking and all that. It just it makes you it makes you brave in a way. Like you know, the, the whole ban this book, don't read it, ban that, don't listen to this. There's a level of cowardice to it because you're afraid right. what it might. You know, um, Hitchens put it best, right? It's like faith is helping to crush free inquiry and the emancipating consequences that it might bring. And mm-hmm. that's what they're afraid of, like the emancipating consequences of reasoning and critical thinking. And right. You know, and it's just 
Because uh, the article made me laugh because it, it, it is kind of funny. Like, you know, aggressive atheists yeah. are, are targeting our children. It's just like, yeah. you know, uh, and what was it? I mean, it's, uh, this is kind of a little bit more horrific, but it was in Poland this, earlier this summer. And I believe there was also a school in, school or school board in Tennessee. In Poland, they were burning the Harry Potter books because it taught kids, oh, wow. taught kids uh, witchcraft. It was some um, right. Orthodox Catholic group. And then there was a, in Tennessee, it was a Catholic school or a Catholic school board. Same thing, it banned the Harry Potter books because the Latin was teaching kids spells and they're going to know magic. <laughs> so, mm. I mean, it's like, okay, you're scared. You're cowards. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. I mean, most of the people in the comments section that were making fun of the article were Christians as well. So I do want to say that yeah. publicly on this podcast. Yeah. You know, and I've seen a lot of debates between uh, Hitchens and, and other, you know, other critical thinkers or skeptics or atheists, whoever, it doesn't matter what it's about. Um, but I've seen debates at uh, at a lot of um, Christian universities, and I really applaud the Christian universities for even having the debates in the first place. And um, one of the Christians or one of the pastors said before the debate that um, beliefs that could only exist by being protected from scrutiny are beliefs not worth having. And I really love that quote. So, I mean, yeah, like, so my first book was banned by evangelical fundamentalist Christians, but a lot of Christians are, you know, are open to those discussions. So, you know, I don't want to generalize like that, but that really um, made me realize how important it was to start the, the, you know, um, this book series, the Annabelle and Eden children's book series. And since then, we came out with a book on the Big Bang, and we came out with a book, uh, our fourth book was called uh, What Happens When We Die?, and that's probably our bestseller, actually. And then, um, and then we came out of, with a book about about sapien, Homo sapiens and human ancestry. And now we're at number five. This world was made for me. Okay, um, just because the when you mentioned the one about the um, what happens when we die, it was uh, you know like the humans of New York series there on Facebook. Yes, there was a there was one about a, two months ago. It was a little girl who was about eight, eight years old, and she's like. I really get upset with adults because they don't want to talk about, about serious things. She's like, I love the the, uh, I love reading about the Donner Party. I've read everything I could find about it, and I want to know about what made them go cannibal. And I want to talk about. And she's saying like, but no one wants to talk to me because I'm a little kid. Wow. <laughs> and it's just, you know, uh, but but I just like I think sometimes we treat kids like okay. I'm not saying that you know that they have the capacity to deal with everything. Yeah. But I think they could deal with a little bit more than we give them credit for. Absolutely. And I think we come with our own baggage and we kind of project that onto them and they don't have it. They're, you know, they're not, they're not in a way they're smarter than us in a way they're more naive, but in a way that makes them smarter because they don't have that baggage and they could just like look at it frankly, Um, you know, so. Well, I mean, if you want to let know people know uh, where they can find the books, and I'll put all the links and everything down there, and I'll put the link to that article, so if people want to read, <laughs> they can get a good laugh. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, the, the our website is annabelleandaden.com. Annabelle, you know, the name spelled the most common way: A N N A B E L L E, and Aiden A I D E N. So that's annabelleandaden.com. And you could also, when you go to our website, a, a window will pop up that'll take you to our Kickstarter. So you could uh, get a chance to pre-order the, the upcoming new book, This World Was Made For Me. And you could actually even get your child's face, a picture of your child's face or your face inside of the book, which is something that 
uh, people love to do that they get to they get that when they pre-order the book. So, all right, cool. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, and thank you, Obey. Oh, it was a pleasure, and thank you everyone for listening.